Welcome to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, a weekly discussion about Kentucky horse racing and handicapping. And now here are your hosts, C.C. Broadus, Alan Schneider, and Brandon Jaggers. Oh, that was one crazy party. I am hungover. Welcome to episode 10 of the Auxiliary Gate podcast. This podcast is for the weekend of July 25th, 2020. I'm your host, CC Broadus, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend and handicapping savant, Alan Schneider. How are you doing, Alan? I'm doing great there, CC. Uh, As far as the savant goes, I think I was more of the idiot uh, uh, part handicapping last week than I was savant, but I'll see if we can't do better this week, pal. Well, absolutely. I'm 100% on a skid right now. I've had some really bad beats as of late. Yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, most of you don't know this. I was alive in the pick five yesterday. Uh, I'm I'm blessed to be able to work and, and wager on the races at the same time, and I kind of got sidetracked I, in the last race of the pick five at Saratoga, the, the, the early pick five. I was alive to every horse in the race except the rail horse, and – Guess what? Guess what happened? The rail <laughs> horse won, and the pick five paid $5,000, and I didn't have anything. I didn't even hedge. I got sidetracked oh. by work, and it, it completely slipped my mind. So, And what, how much did the horse go off that? What did he pay? This, this, he this went off week? at 45 to 1. So $10 to win would have got me $450 back, and I would have had a good day. But it was not to be. Ooh, you shake it off. Shake it like Taylor Swift says. Take it off. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, now, Brandon Jaggers is serving a one-week suspension this week for <laughs> for poor selections. Uh, he will be hopefully back next week. I hope he's learned his lesson. I hope we all learned a lesson because we, we were routinely awful last I'd, weekend. I'd, I would agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> but we're going to turn it around. Always be honest. Always be honest. So. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Let's get into last weekend's stakes action as we're leading up to the Kentucky Derby. We want to talk about the Haskell Invitational on Saturday, and that was won by Authentic, who went wire to wire, desperately holding off the late attempt of New York traffic. Authentic earned a buyer of 100 and a rags in a five. So those efforts are on par with horses like Tis the Law and Art Collector. Now, the question is, can he get 10 furlongs now? If you look at the stretch run of the of the race, this horse looks like really late in the stretch. He wants to lay down inside the furlong pole. But the numbers say otherwise. So, Alan, uh, what are we going to do with this horse? He's going to be one of the, one of the five favorites at, at this point. Mm-hmm. He'll probably be on the lead. Can this horse win the Kentucky Derby? I'm torn. I mean, initially after watching the race, I thought it was a junk race. And, uh, then I go back and I rewatch it. I thought the horse didn't want any part of 10 furlongs. Uh, maybe Mike Smith did fall asleep a bit. Maybe. Um, maybe they thought the race was over. I, I, I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. I didn't like the race. I, I thought New York traffic is not that type of horse to, to run that type of race. It's to get gunned down by him. 
didn't speak very positively, but the numbers come back good. So maybe I'll give the horse more of a benefit of the doubt, give him one more shot. But Honor AP ran right by him you know, a few weeks ago. And again, it's I'm conflicted. I really don't know, to be honest with you. What do you think? Well, I was looking at his pedigree earlier. He's There's not a lot of stamina influences in his breeding. He's by Into Mischief, who's a brilliant sire. He sires a lot of horses that, Oh yeah, you know they they, they kind of top out at a mile, mile sixteenth, and his dam is by Mr. Greeley. Mr. Greeley uh, was a sprinter. Uh, he he's also sired a lot of turf types too, though. So they, they, you know, I I would lean against as of today, which is July twenty third on a Thursday. I'm against him today. Now that that can all change if there's not a lot of speed in the race. You know, in, in yes. a lone leader, that, that you know, he, he could get brave. And the further we get into a, a three-year-old season, pedigree doesn't matter as much. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I, I think he's not far off the very, very best of the crop. So, you know, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll – I'm uh, still not – yeah, I'm still not big on New York traffic. I think New York traffic is a hard-trying, consistent type. I still think Dr. Post has a little bit of upside. I'm not giving quite up on that one yet, but – I'm kind of feeling the same way you are about uh, about authentic. Well, yeah, you can't you can't knock authentic and then be on the New York traffic bandwagon. It's, yeah, you can't, you can't have it both ways. I think if you're gonna you gotta knock one, you gotta knock the other. But yeah, we'll we'll have plenty of time to talk about that going forward. Also, over the weekend at Saratoga, they ran the coaching club in American Oaks, which is going to be a a preparation for the delayed Kentucky Oaks this year. And this time, it was won by a a. Churchill regular Paris lights for Belmont and she ground out a victory over the Bob Baffert trained crystal ball Paris lights earned an 86 buyer and 11 ragazin so it was a nice victory she's a tough filly probably not on par with the best in the crop the Swiss skydivers and the gammons and the speeches of the world but it was a nice victory and this filly probably does have some upside what do you think I tell you what um yeah, the horse got a great one victory. I think Paris Lights is probably ahead of where they thought she'd be right now. I think there's some some more stakes wins in her future. I thought this race was junk. <laughs> I thought it was junk when I handicapped it, but um, you had the scratch of Altaf. Toneless shape did not show up. Um, one horse didn't one horse not finish or something. I believe it actually came down to about a four horse race, and then Toneless shape didn't fire. And to me, they look like they were just staggering home, which is who would stagger home the least to get the head up. Um, I'm not a big believer in crystal ball, but the Baffert horse, I, I, to me, it's a shame the horse, the race was a great one. I didn't think it was a great one caliber field. I think it even got emaciated afterwards due to the defection and one of the horses not firing. Um, yeah, it's a great one victory, but I wasn't impressed. Paris Lights will go into the Alabama stakes at a mile and a quarter, likely. Let me uh, run this scenario by you. Well, let's say she improves. Paris Lights maybe goes to maybe a 93 buyer, 94 buyer. She really likes the distance. Going into the Kentucky Oaks after that will be a turn back for her. Yeah. Would that change your mind? Because she she has a license to improve. Yeah, no, I'm not I'm not knocking Paris Lights. I just didn't think the race at this time was a very good race. I think Paris Lights is the one horse in the race with some serious upside. Um, I, I, do I think she can threaten in the Kentucky Oaks? Not really. 
But do I think as a four-year-old, this horse could be really good? Yeah, I mean, uh, we'll see. But with with some of the spectacular uh, performances we've seen from females, three-year-old females so far, it'd be, it'd be a stretch for me to see Paris Lights uh, pushing those guys, those gals, I should say. I'm sorry. Speaking of uh, top contenders for the Kentucky Derby, we've got some good news. Our collector will make his next start in the Ellis Park Derby coming up and on August 9th. I'm pretty excited about that. Mm-hmm. Our collector, this this race used to be run at a mile on that strange configuration at Ellis, but now they've uh, stretched it out to a mile and an eighth. Should be a perfect prep for him. The, the race is coming up pretty interesting here. I'm just perusing through the, uh, the probables and the possibles. I'll read these off. Uh, of course, our, clock, our collector leads the uh, leads this group. Uh, Sole Volante is a probable. Dean Martini, the winner of the Ohio Derby, is listed as probable. Necker Island came in third in the uh, Indiana Derby off of the claim by Chris Hartman is a probable. Hmm. Major Fed, second in the Indiana Derby for Greg Foley, uh, had some traffic trouble. He's, he's a probable. Uh, and then attachment rate from the Dale Romans barn is, is, is also probable. And then there's, there's some possibles. I, I would think shared sense is probably going to run in the race. He's listed as possible along with pneumatic South bend. Uh, if, if all these show up, this is going to be a, a really nice race. That's, that's, yeah. That, that, that'd be a heck of a nice, it'll be better than the Indiana Derby was obviously. And maybe better overall than the bluegrass was, um, Truthfully, attachment rate could be a little sneaky in there. Uh, the horse does have talent, but surely with that kind of field, we can get what five, six to one on our collector. You think? Is that about yeah? Right? Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> maybe uh, three to five. I think I'm. I'm thinking maybe. Uh, he could be just. Just if this is all that shows up, he could be lone speed in there. So yeah, that's you know. And the good thing about that horse is that horse can do a couple days. That horse can stalk. That horse can go to the lead. That horse can come from off the pace. One of the reasons I love the horse, and you're right, a mile and eighth is right up this horse's alley. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a, and that tell you what, that would only be good for the horse prepping before the derby. Uh, what would that be, four weeks out, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah. That's, that, a, that's it, a nice salty field to get a little more uh, seasoning into it at a, at a nice nine furlong two-turn trip. So I think it's the right spot. I hope. I hope he does indeed run. He's expected to, and I think it'd be one of the bigger days of Ellis Park racing that they've had in, in its history, no doubt about it. Yeah, without question. Yeah, it'd be a it would be a nice day to be able to attend. I don't know that that's going to happen for us, but uh, speaking yeah. of speaking of big races that we've attended, I've seen this bandied about on social media this week. Uh, the the best race you've ever attended live. Now I don't leave Kentucky very often. But I have caught a lot of big races here within the within the borders. Uh, Alan, uh, when you when you think back of all the races that you witnessed in person, uh, what what what's at the top of your list? Oh, I tell you what, it's uh there uh, there's two that come to mind right off the bat, maybe two different reasons. Blames and Yada, we were there for Blames and Yada, the, the Breeders' Cup Classic. Uh, God, has that been ten years ago? Is that 2010, right? 2010. Good Lord. Um, if you were at that, and a lot of people who listen may have been at that race. You know, Zenyatta had won 20 or first 20 starts going up against the boys in the classic here at Churchill. And um, if you were there that night, the buzz was electric, wouldn't you say? 
it was right at twilight, just as the sun was going down. It was the lights were on, and when Zenyatta broke out of the gate and um, did not break well at all, it spotted the field a good god twenty lengths, I'd say. And when she hit the turn, and the crowd realized that she was emerging from a no hope last and was barreling down the center of the racetrack, it looked like she was going to get there. Uh, the buzz was palpable. It was it was amazing. It was a um, chill inducing and then blaine had a great trip and uh they those two fought it down the wire blaine held on in one of the epic duels we've seen i thought it was a fantastic race probably the best race i've seen in person i gotta say And a ra- and I think a race also that kind of cemented Blaine. Blaine never gets quite the respect he gets. He, he deserves. And I think that that race helped. If you were there that day, you know what I'm talking about. Um, well, I was there, and there yeah. were three things I noted about that night. Well, first, this is was this the first Breeders' Cup that was really held at night? Isn't that I right? I believe so. Maybe that's why it felt so electric. In in addition to the fact that Zenyatta well, was there. Don't you remember the sky? It was it was really like. It was pink. Yes. There was a pinkish glow to the sky. It was really, it was kind of a surreal night. You know, it was, it was really, really tense that night. Uh, I don't think that Zenyatta was ever going to get by Blaine. If you just watch the Gallup out, Blaine, Blaine really pinned his ears and, and was not going to let her by. Yeah, because, you know, 200 yards to the wire, it looked like Zenyatta had the race. And you know, Blaine, it's like, she's going by Blaine. But Blaine was resolute. Blaine was and wouldn't let her go by in the gallop out either. So it's it just shows you all the acclaim Zenyatta gets and deservedly so. Blaine that cemented Blaine as as a horse that I, again does not get the credit overall. I think he deserves or whatever. Again, and it was an electric night. And then the third thing I noted that it was there was a lot of tears in eyes that night. That was that struck yeah. me. It, it struck me a little bit later on that Zenyatta meant a lot to a lot of people. And there were a lot of Zenyatta shirts there that night. Yeah, and when she was defeated, I mean, it, it, it broke a lot of hearts that night. So, you know, looking back, you know, I, I was actually for blame. I, 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 at the time, I thought Zenyatta was a little bit overrated. But looking back, I, you know, I, I think those two are, are as good as any horse we've seen in the last 25 years. I'm, I'm with you. Blame, blame doesn't get the credit that he deserves. And Zenyatta was an all-timer. So. And I think we, we were okay because I think we had both Blame and Zenyatta and a bunch of uh, verticals and horizontals and stuff. So it, we we won either way. I think that kind of helped too. Yeah, we <laughs> might have hit a superfecta that on, on <laughs> or something like that. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, for me, for me, one of the races that stands out for me, uh, I was with some buddies and we were going to go to a UK football game, and I, I said, "Hey, that's fine with me, but we got to stop at Keeneland. Why is Dan's running today?" And I love that horse. I think to me, he's one of the one of the best milers of the last 25 years, best no, turf no milers. No question. Uh, you know, up there with Goldacova, uh, one of the best turf horses. I put, you know, bricks and mortar comes comes to mind, but going further back, horses like uh, 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 Delami, uh, you know, those, some of those horses, they come from overseas and, and dominate here. Wise Dan was one of ours, and I remember he ran in the, the uh, 2014 can't remember who sponsored it then, but it was the Keeneland Mile. It may have been Shadwell. It may have been the Shadwell Mile. It was I think the first you're million right. dollar. Yeah, it was the first million dollar race ever held at Keeneland. 
and Wise Dan was a little long in the tooth. Uh, he, you know, it had been a long career, but he always tried hard. And this race, he he broke slowly. He was toward the back of the pack. Silver Max, who was the winner of the the the, the race in the prior year, uh, set really slow fractions, but they they turned for home. And Wise Dan just found a seam, and he just blew by everybody. It was it was it was outstanding. I remember that there was a young guy next to me that was absolutely trashing the horse before the race. And it is ticked me off. I, I, and once again, I'm sure I had him singled in some type of exotic wager, but uh, I, I, I'm not sure I ever cheered so hard for a for a horse <laughs> as I did Wise Dan. Man, um, he he delivered every time. Quarter mile to come, and they've all got to catch Silver Max, who's chased by Syed. Then Grand Arch, Wise Dan comes down the outside. The leader coming to the eighth pole. Here's Syed alongside of Silver Max. Grand Arch, seek again, diving to the rail. And then the other race that comes to mind is, of course, a horse that nobody knows about. His horse named Agastaki. Oh, yeah. Yeah, who was owned by my father and several partners. And he ran at Churchill Downs in a $50,000 claimer. This is the first time they ever had Downs After Dark. It was racing under lights. It was a historic night. And it was late late in the the card. You know, this Agastaki, he, he was... He was. We weren't sure about him at the time. They they had claimed him for, for maybe fifty thousand uh, in the prior year, and he just he he wasn't quite there yet. So, uh, trainer Rick Hiles dropped him into this race, going a mile. He'd never been a mile before, as as I recall. But, you know, he he went straight to the lead. He was between horses all the way down the back stretch, and one of those horses dropped off coming around the turn, and it, it just came down to. To him and a Nick Zito trained horse, Chris got even. Chris got even to the outside. Agastaki digging deep towards the inside, a furlong and a half from the wire. Agastaki, Chris got even. These two jewel down towards the final furlong. Chris got even has just got a nose in front. Agastaki is coming back for more. Gamely rallying to the inside rail. A grandstand finish. They've got 100 yards to go. Agastaki now ahead in front, up towards the line. Agastaki, all heart. We thought we had won the Kentucky Derby that night. It was the greatest <laughs> sensation I've ever felt uh, at a racetrack. It was it was so much fun, and everybody. It was one of those nights where everybody was there. We all got to go to the winner's circle. Your buddy Jeremy was there. He he got yes. in the winner's circle picture, and I've got that on my wall here at, at my office. So it was uh, it was a great night. And I, I tell you what, if you could if if everybody could feel the way I felt that night, it, it would be a much happier country right now. But. Uh, the, those are the reasons we love this sport. So yeah, I remember that night well for you. That was fantastic. I remember that particular race. That particular night was wonderful. But, oh, can uh, I add another one? Can yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, were you with us? It was streets. The year was streets. Since were you with us in the infield then? No, were I did you? not go that year. I, oh, I we were at the the infield for Derby on the turn for home, and I was on street since for months. We all were, and this was two thousand seven. And we were on the, the turn for home. And if you've, anybody's watched the Street Sense Derby, you know that he on that turn for home, he went from 20, 20th to second in the blink of an eye. And when he made that move on the rail, he was I was 10 feet from him. And it was jarring how fast he moved 
And in the, in a, in the matter of seconds, I knew on the turn moment he was going to win the race. It was, I've never seen a horse pass horses like that, particularly on the inside. So being that close to a Derby winner, when he made the Derby move uh, was something I'll never forget either. So I'd like to give him a bit of a, a nod as well too. Yeah, that, that, I love the fact that Carl Nasker won a second derby. I think he's a oh, yeah. he's, he's a gentleman for sure. And and of course Calvin Braille, that was the first of his three Kentucky Derby rides. And he, he delivered two of the three best well, two of the best rides in racing history to win <laughs> two Kentucky Derbies. So yeah. he uh, looked like a jet moving up the rail that day. It was and these were fantastic horses he passed. It was it was it was a sight to behold. Yeah. So that's our uh, that's our short list of, of races we've seen in person. I'm sure there's plenty more that we can think of. Oh, but yeah. uh, right now we want to get back to uh, get back to the action. We want to talk about Ellis Park. Ellis Park's got a really nice card on Saturday. Uh, lots of maidens and, and allowance races and and several races on the on the turf. And looking at the weather forecast, it's going to be a nice day. I don't think any of the races are are in jeopardy of coming off the turf. It's going to be 88 degrees with a 20 percent chance of rain sunny and, and cloud mixture throughout the day. Uh, I want to start with race three quickly. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time on this race. It's a, it's a one mile maiden race for the two year olds. You don't see the, uh, the babies go this far on the dirt this early in their careers. There is a horse here though, that might, might have a future. And his name is Midnight Bourbon. He's the four horse. He's six to five on the morning line. Corey Lannery is going to take the mount. This horse cost $525,000 at Keeneland September last year. He's the son of Tiz the Now out of a Malibu moon mare named Catch the Moon. This horse is a half-brother to Gervin, who won the Haskell and the Louisiana Derby in his three-year-old year. He's also a half to a stakes horse named Cocked and Loaded, who, who was a good two-year-old. I think he started out with John Hancock and then wound up with Larry Ravelli later on. And then there's also a half to Pirates Punch, who is oh, a nice, really? yeah, he's a very nice allowance horse right now. So this horse, uh, he's got the pedigree. And it's just a matter of uh, if he can put it all together and start one. So I, I'd say they've got a lot of. Uh, you think it's of, interesting that they're, that they're starting him at this, uh, at this mile distance, especially at Ellis? I mean, obviously, is there a, what do you think the plan is there? Well, if he can win this race, they can stick him right into a two-turn stakes race, maybe like running the, in the Iroquois at Churchill. That's a mile yeah. and 16. They could, go, they could go maiden, Iroquois stakes, you know, Breeders' Cup. And, you know, they, he can get the Breeders' Cup in two starts. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know anything about the horse. I haven't heard anything about him. I just – just guessing here. This pro- this horse is probably a runner, and there's not much in here to face. So yeah, uh, you know maybe the two Western Pharaoh is the son of American Pharaoh out of White Clover. White Clover was a was a stakes winner for K. Larry Man. Jones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So okay. so you know, but uh, I just want to point that horse out. Uh, that that race is worth watching to see if this horse is any kind of runner at all. So next we want to go to race four. This is a maiden special weight for the older horses. It's a mile and the sixteenth. On the turf, looks like the morning line favorite is going to start from the rail. That's 10 flat for Brad Cox. And he comes out of probably the key maiden race of the Churchill Downs meet uh, in that first start of his career. 
he ran into uh, Yapon, who won an allowance race handily at Saratoga in his second start last weekend. Also against in there state was, breads. It yeah. was against state breads. Uh, the third place finisher in that race was Savvy. Savvy came back to win a, loud, or a maiden race at Keeneland in his next start. And then the fourth horse was Lucky Asset, who came back to run second in that same race that Savvy was involved in. So there's reasons for this horse to move forward. Alan, where are you at on here? You know, I, lo- I like this race. I think it's a there's some nice horse in there. There's some, it's a, one of those unfortunate situations where I think there's some possibilities for some prices in here. But the exception is that I like the morning line favorite, uh, the horse you just mentioned, 10 flat to win the race. Um, I wish I didn't, but I do. Um, not a lot of speed in the race. I think the horse uh, got enough out of that blistering first half mile at Churchill, 44 and 3. I think that uh, Sean Bridgman sends this one from the get-go. And I believe this horse is a full uh, brother to Nanush. Uh, I think it was a five-time, four or five-time winner. I think uh, won three or four times on the turf and might have been for Brad Cox or Wayne Lucas. But uh, this horse is a fool to that horse, meaning um, they probably gave this horse the race at Churchill and sprinting, knowing he got two turns at Ellis. I think he's going to be tough in this spot. I think there's some some options, either contrarian options to beat him or to run behind him, like uh, maybe Mulberry Street or... I think the Wilkes horse, Falkirk, might run a little bit better. Uh, there's another one in there I like a little bit. Final, um, perhaps Patriots War, nah. But to me, it's 10 flat. I, I like 10 flat the most. I, this would be a single for me, I believe, in the uh, if there's any type of early pick four wager to uh, to knock out. Yeah, the pick four starts in race two. See what that see what that doubles paying with the, the Winchell Asmussen horse to a ten flat. It might not be paying much. We'll see. I would give a shout out here to Highland Boss, the four horse. This horse ran opening weekend at Ellis in a uh, one mile turf event with a small field. He was about two or three wide, four four wide most of the way. He kind of got caught behind a slow pace. They went twenty four and four, fifty one flat. Very slow. We get a, a jockey change to Gabriel Saez. He might be a little bit more aggressive, so he may stick this, try to stick this horse on the lead early. So I think that horse might be worth uh, worth a look as well. Uh, let's skip ahead. We're going to skip race five, and we're going to go to race six. And another baby race. I love these. It's a two-year-old baby race, one mile on the grass. And there's some pedigrees that I want to point out in here. Let's start with race, or excuse me, the horse number two, Nathan Detroit. This horse is owned by Joseph Allen, and he's had several nice horses over the years. I can go back to horses like Glitter Woman, for instance. Glitter Woman won several stakes races as a three-year-old for uh, for Mr. Allen. This particular colt is a half to Mrs. Danvers. Who, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, we've talked about this one uh, before on the show. Uh, this one is by this, this particular horse is by union rags though. Uh, but the horses weren't been working steadily at, uh, Keeneland and is trained by J.R. McGahee, Chip McGahee, who is uh, the son of Shug McGahee. So I'm interested in this one a little bit. Uh, skip ahead to the five horse conquest. Rainy city is a half to a uh, two-year-old stakes play Salvatore Mundi who raced for Kim McPeak. Uh, this is a son of Kitten's Joy. Didn't cost a whole lot as a as a yearling, but he did. You know, he debuts for Mike Maker, who's definitely known to get them ready. 
the six horses, Mr. Slate. This is a son of Flintshire, who was a champion turf horse in this country. Uh, this is his first crop of runners. This horse doesn't have a lot of pedigree, but they gave $260,000 for him. And, and uh, the Allied Racing Stable, they like to win. They've had several nice horses recently. By my standards, comes to mind. Uh, this horse is definitely worth watching. The nine horse, I thought this was interesting. This is a, the nine horse is lockup. He goes first time out for Wayne Lucas, who doesn't get him cranked out. But this horse is uh, a half to sinister minister who won the bluegrass stakes by like 15,000 links <laughs> yeah. for Bob Baffert. Uh, yeah, that's uh, it's a, it's a pretty nice. I feel it. I, I'm very interested in seeing what happens here. Uh, where do you land here? Well, you know, interesting thing about Conquest Rainy City, you mentioned a moment ago, the Kitten's Joy Horse for Maker uh, is by Conquest Little Miss. That's the mother of his half-brother, his half-sister races in race two, Queen Bess. So mom's okay. going to be watching both of her horses uh, today. Um, they both have a live chances, too. That said, I will be on... Uh, private island uh, for Ian Wilkes, Brian Hernandez, because this horse is a half to, is, it's out of, by Lonawi, makes it a half to Thatcher Street, who was a fantastic stakes winning, multiple stakes winning, multiple allowance uh, winning turf horse here in Kentucky and other places for Ian Wilkes and Brian Hernandez. Horse got his a good get to know everything trip on the dirt at Churchill. Got to think they're going to try today going a mile on the turf. This is probably where they want to be. Brian Hernandez knows um, Road Thatcher Street numerous times. Um, so to me, it's it's Private Island. I, I can't go against that horse here. Again, with the pedigrees in the race, uh, anything can pop up and, and beat this horse if he's not as special uh, as his mama was. But give me Private Island here. I will say this about uh, the damn Lenawi. I had a tip on this horse a long time ago when during this horse's two-year-old year, and I, I think I followed this horse through six or seven starts, and I bet him better every time, and she never would win. And finally, I caught her on Derby Day in like the second or third race, and and she was twenty-five to one, went wire to wire that day. So I finally, mm -hmm. I finally caught her. I didn't catch her for what I should have caught her for, but it was uh, she she brings back fond memories, that's for sure. I remember that day. I had her as well, I think, way back in the day. It's been a while. All right, let's go to race seven. And this race is restricted to three-year-old fillies who've never won two races. And it's going that funky one-and-a-half-turn configuration at Ellis. And it's kept or it's led off here by the morning line favorite, number two, Street of Dreams, for Ian Wilkes again. And the Lothan Box Stables, ridden to, on this day, will be ridden by uh, Chris Landeros. And she's been on a long layoff. She, she just recently raced in the four gal stakes at Gulfstream. Got, was, was beaten handily by Toneless Shape, who was in the midst of a, uh, a winning streak. And, and now Street of Dreams shows up in here. Are you leaning toward the favorite in here, or are you going elsewhere? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a boring pick, and of course the layoff lines are a bit concerning, but uh, I, I gotta think this is a prep for something with this horse. Uh, first time out, ran a, ran a pretty good third, which, you know, anytime Wilkes runs good uh, first time out, you gotta keep an eye on him, and uh, at Keeneland against uh, the McPeak horse, Motu, it was, it was a good effort, 
then came, comes back to Churchill going the uh, one-turn mile, not the one-and-a-half-turn mile, but the one-turn mile, and aired it with a big figure there. It makes me think these guys think they had it. they had something. Um, gets a couple months off, goes to Gulfstream, and second to Toneless Shape back in February was, was a heck of an effort because Toneless Shape was on top for a game at that point, and she loves Gulfstream. So got to think maybe they laid this horse up trying to get some uh, some of these uh, summer late uh, – uh, autumn races in gotta think that's that's the thing here it's a prep for something down the road um maybe i don't know you think maybe this is a prep for um the groupie doll for not only her for a couple of these other horses in here maybe i don't know that the groupie dolls for older fillies and mares i, I don't know if street of dreams is, is quite up to that level yeah yet. i'd agree with you there i'd agree with you there but there, there might be a, a three-year-old filly stake at churchill in september they might have their eyes on yeah, I think Seattle slang, slang figures here. But I think Union Maiden, we haven't seen the best of Union Maiden yet. I can see why Chad Brown left his horse here in Kentucky uh, to compete. So I think that horse is probably the danger uh, if she were to take a step forward. But as of right now, I would probably take Street of Dreams. And it'd be interesting to see what they have lined up for her down the road. What do we do with number seven, Regal Beauty? This yeah. This is a nicely bred filly. Her, I, this is from memory. I think her damn book review won the La Brea Stakes back in the day. I, or one of those, one of those winter three-year-old, four-year-old filly stake races at Santa Anita. Uh, she, she broke her maiden handily at, at Santa Anita in May, and then, you know, they, she ran her, she ran back into Santa Anita Oaks versus Swiss Skydiver in speech and showed nothing which you know the, no disgrace there and now yeah. she shows up here for calhoun i i don't know uh it's an interesting spot isn't it it's 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 it, it does make you wonder a little bit um i like seeing something out of that last race where she ran she just ran fourth way on track and they just got away from her uh but i'm i'm, I'm kind of like you i'm kind of wondering what, what the the game plan is with this horse they send her they send her to brett calhoun um i don't know you think she's a player in here I don't know. I, I have a feeling they just might put her on the lead and see how far she can go. And I think if I she think. does that, she's very dangerous here. So I, I, I'll probably include her. I've got a – there's a X factor, like. a definite X factor. Yeah, there's a horse I like later in the card. But uh, let's go to race eight right now. This is a mile and an eighth on the grass again. Uh, these are for uh, three years old and up, which have never won two races. And I thought this is a, this is a difficult leg of the pick four. You might actually find some value here. The favorite – is number eight stage ready at five to two for the Ramo Quet Barn, ridden by Rafael Bayerano here. This horse just recently raced at Indiana Grand, going a mile and sixteenth on the turf, and he finished third. I don't know how that translates into a an Ellis Park turf race or turf allowance. Uh, don't you think we can uh, we can up in the the morning line choice here? Yeah, because both this horse and Freedom's Flight. They're hard trying horses who they're both one for 11 and in fairness street ready needs uh, has stage ready has one out here at Ellis, but this horse needs pace always makes a run, but often doesn't get there. So uh, the morning line of five to two on stage ready and three, one and freedom's flight make me want to look elsewhere by all means, both can win, but uh, I would, I would definitely throw price horses in here. There's a couple in here. I think that are intriguing. Um, uh, all the middle horses. Uh, King Theo has a chance for uh, 
coming off that real nice effort to uh, Moon over Miami, who just uh, ran last week at Saratoga against uh, oh the the big one, uh, one of those big Chad Brown horses. I'm having a hard time remembering. Uh, um, I think the Paul up has a little bit of a chance, but I think I might take a stab with the four horse here. I need to pick a price anyway because I've picked too many favorites so far. Mishaka for Kellen Gorder. Why not at 15 to 1? Gets Geraldo Corrales. The horse uh, showed nothing in her first start at Churchill. Absolutely nothing. But it's by declaration of war. They took her to Belterra against much, much easier company. Put her on the turf. And the horse won easily. Um, so it the horse can be a price because he's coming from Belterra. So we'll give this one a chance. Maybe the horse is just much, much better on the turf, and maybe uh, she could topple an allowance field uh, here at this 10, 15 to 1. I'll give that one a try. I'll give Mishaka a try for Kellen Gordon. He doesn't race as many horses as he used to, which I find a little odd, but uh, maybe he thinks this is a good one. We'll find out. What about uh, number one front man? This is from the Danny Pike barn. This horse has improved dramatically in his last two starts since going on the turf. This is a son of Pioneer of the Nile out of Arienza, who was a stakes horse, I believe, for the, the Lowe's, Robert and Lawana Lowe. Yeah, maybe. Pites, yeah, Pites and Pites. Uh, trans, I think Pites had Arienza. I might be wrong about that. And Arienza is a daughter of Azari, who was a uh, horse of the year back in the day. But uh, this horse is coming around, too. I, I'd, I'd hate to leave him out because Pites is very dangerous at Ellis Park, that's for sure. I've, I've learned that the hard way over the years. Yeah, I'm with you there, especially with that last race. You know, the uh, the maiden win, I was not overly impressed with, but he ran uh, against some decent horses last time to lose that blanket finish. If you remember, that was a, I think that was opening day at Ellis where the camera was shaky and nobody could – Nobody could tell who won that race. That right. was Lindnery and Big Beautiful mm-hmm. Wall. Uh, that that was a that was a pretty good field that day. So I'm with you there a little bit. Front man is uh, that's it's not the first start that gets me. It's the second start that makes me think he might he'd be a contender in here. All right, let's cap the card off with another maiden special weight on the grass. Uh, again, maiden three years old and up. It's mile and sixteenth on the Ellis Park turf course. The favorite will be breaking from the rail this time. This is number one, Parkland. And he just raced about 13 days prior to this start. Uh, he's beaten the neck by Midnight Joe Star in a maiden special weight at Keeneland. And now he comes back on a short break and looks like a return of Florent Giroux to the saddle after he mm. took a break for uh, for testing positive for COVID-19. I think, uh, I think this horse, he's the one. The short layoff concerns me a little bit. Uh, where are you at here? I'm with you there because I was on this horse last time. and He ran a good race. I'd like to see him going a little more distance, but maybe the connections. Um, again, this horse is a half, if I'm, memory serves, to little Mike, who won the Breeders' Cup turf, uh, who is a homebred for the the, the vac, vac. I can never say his name. Vacaretzas. Vacaretzas. Uh, yeah. I would like to see the horse go a little more ground, but I think maybe they just want to get him in a spot and get get a win. So maybe they, you know, he's going to be up near the pace anyway. So maybe a mile of 16 may not hurt the horse. I think Parkland's probably your most likely winner here. I think this horse still has some upside. I don't think the horse that beat him last time as much, Midnight Joe Star, but maybe they were surprised he got beat and they want to get, put him back in this spot or whatever. So give, I like Parkland. I think the Dell Romans horse in here. Um, 
Bear Alley is a threat coming out of the Ohio Derby, but you never know what you're going to get with the Dale Romans horse half the time. Horse is trying turf. <laughs> at the honestly, uh, the the class is there. He's run several good races at Gulfstream. Tried the Ohio Derby. I don't really know why, but he did. This is a much easier spot. He could. This is a horse that could go on the lead and just air. And you know, if you want a, a bomb, maybe um, I keep waiting for Ghost Lore for Ian Wilkes and Chris Landerell to show the potential. I think this horse has shown uh, early in his career. But if, if I am on Parkland like you, I'm on Parkland. Going back to number seven, Bear Alley. This horse has a reason to take to the turf. Now he's already raced once on the grass, and he did finish second in a maiden race at Gulfstream. Uh, this horse is a half brother to Maraud. Maraud won several stakes races. He, he was a he was a definitely a stakes horse during his career on the grass. Breeders' Cup won the Breeders' Cup, didn't he? Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf, uh, maybe. Or... He, he may have run in the race. He, he I'm just looking at, at here. It looks like he won the Pil- the Pilgrim Stakes and the Pulpit Stakes, and he did win the American Turf. Okay, Churchill. Okay. So, you know, he, he was four for 17 during his career, won almost a half million dollars. So, you know, there, there's some turf pedigree in Barry Alley's uh, lineage. So that's that's worth a look. Uh, it's an intriguing race to, to end the day. I, if you don't want to single the one, I certainly understand it because there's other ways to go. There's a horse on the also eligible list that has a chance, too, named uh, Jolting Joe, the 13, with Corrales uh, going for Maker. This horse... Uh, as a maiden Whoa. ran second in a, in a, in a stakes race at Gulfstream. So, you know, that's something you need to watch. Hang watch on real quick. Hang, we'll, yeah. We go back to Jolting Joe a little bit. Uh, Jolting Joe has the distinction in his two maiden races, and he's run second to two of the top five horses uh, in this year's Kentucky Derby, right? Because he yeah. runs second to Art Collector at Kentucky Downs and second to King Guillermo, who probably be fifth or sixth choice in the Kentucky Derby. That is interesting. I'll say that. Absolutely. Let's de- let's dive dive a little deeper into this horse. So yeah, his first three starts of his career, the first one was at Kentucky Downs, uh, going six and a half furlongs, and he finished his second to Art Collector. Uh, three weeks later, he runs at Gulfstream Park in a stakes race as a maiden, and he finishes second. And then his last start of his two-year-old year at Gulfstream Park West, the old Calder. Yeah. He finishes second again to King Guillermo. And like I said, King Guillermo was on the Derby Trail. He'll 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 be one of the uh, one of the horses that you'll need to keep an eye on. And then something happened to the horse. He he he's been off, but he shows up, and he's got a really nice work tab. And also the the mother, Marilyn Monroe, was a I think a nice filly for for Maker. Yeah, run, and the sky the sky high mm-hmm. the sky high people. Yeah, they, that that horse uh, this horse might have a future. So you, you've got to pay attention to the uh, to the scratches. Yeah, if that horse draws in, that horse is a must-use along with Parkman and more than likely Bear Alley and anybody else you might like. But yeah, that horse draws in, you have got to pay attention. Okay, so uh, that's Ellis Park for Saturday. I, I'm looking forward to playing that card. Uh, we're going to go to Saratoga now. This is a this is a little this might be a little more difficult to make some money on this this Saratoga Saturday card. Uh, there's two stakes races on the card. They both came up light in numbers. The uh, the first stakes race is the Boston Spa. It's a grade two going a mile 16th on the turf. And this is going to feature the return of Chad Brown's top mare, Sister Charlie. And she's two to five on the morning line. She's, she should overwhelm this bunch. 
John Velasquez will keep them out. She's two for two at Saratoga. Alan, uh, is is there absolutely any reason at all to go against Sister Charlie here? Uh, no, uh, not much of a race, to be honest. It's a return race for her. It's um, it, trying to get her 2020 off to the right start. Uh, Starship Jubilee is on the outside. Um, that horse, obviously, 17 lifetime wins, all on the turf, a million and a half in the bank. Uh, remarkable speed, extremely consistent, but the horse has done uh, the majority of her work in her seven years of racing at Gulf at Gulfstream or in Florida and in Canada, the time she has ventured outside of those um, domains, she has not performed as well, has performed admirably, but for her to beat the likes of sister Charlie on sister Charlie's, you know, home turf, even though it's a return for sister Charlie, it, it seems like a tall order. Uh, that's why there's no show wagering in this race. There's five horses in the race. There's no show wagering. So sister Charlie to play seems like a good bet. A really good bet to win. So admire the queen because she is a tremendous turf horse. And uh, tip your cap and move on after this, I believe. What do you think? Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. Starship Jubilee's not in Sister Charlie's disc, uh, zip code. No. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that disappoints me about this card there's no there's no baby races. You know, that's what I love about Saratoga Weird. the most is the is the nice two year old racing. But there's none of that on this card. We're going to fast forward to the late pick four at Saratoga. Uh, and we're going to kick it off with race eight. That's the first leg of the pick four. And this is an allowance optional claim. We're going nine furlongs on the Saratoga dirt course. That's uh, basically one trip around uh, from wire to wire. And this is for three years old and upwards, which have never won two races other than maiden claiming, yada, yada, yada. I thought this was a difficult race. Uh, is there anything in here that you uh, that you lean toward? Uh, n- not necessarily, because um, I'll probably use a few in here if I play if I play the pick four because there's a horse I like in the next race and I'd be comfortable single on that one. I can tell you I will use locally owned by Al Stahl because uh, I really um, fell in love with that horse at Oakland. Uh, ran a big, big third horse was flying that day. Could not quite. Uh, catch them all in her second start at Churchill finally got the job done at uh, in her third start uh, going two turns so I, that horse would be on my ticket is it my top selection no uh, I haven't went over the field that closely I was just going to use several here because there's one I like in the next one yeah I think you're right locally owned is very dangerous in this spot we know what Al Stahl can do with with horses when given a chance I mean look what he's done with Tom's Data this is a uh, looks like to be an improving four-year-old so I think uh, I think this horse bears watching, but I'm like you. I'm, I'm going to spread out here. There's a horse that I like in race nine as well. I'm interested to see if you're on the same horse as me. This is this ninth race is for New York Breads going a mile and sixteenth on the Mellon Turf Course. That's the outer turf course, not the not the sharper turned inner turf course. This is for uh, three years old and upwards, the male variety. They've never won two races, and. It's wide open on paper. I'm trying to find the morning line favorite here. It looks like it's the three simply for Steve Asmussen, who comes off of a six furlong turf sprint. Probably not his game. This horse dropped well, well back. And I think the the race kind of fell apart and he kind of picked up the pieces late, but he, there's no doubt about it. This horse is bred to go two turns. Uh, where do you fall here? I, I just wonder if you're on the same horse as me. Yeah, well, it's curious. I'll find it here in a second. These, you know, this one X 
state bred on the turf at, uh, in, in New York, these races can blow up. If you can actually single one one time, you're way ahead of the game and um, get a price in a later race. I am going to try the number – you're waiting with – drum roll, drum roll. Number 12, Stanhope. Oh, no. Is that not the one? No, it's not the one. Keep going, though. Okay, okay. Well, it used to be – there's something caught my eye about the horse. Um, It's it's first time Brad Cox, and I'm interested to hear what you say. Shug used to have this horse, and he's run state-bred races, uh, three so far. Uh, Been laid off for six, seven months. Um, They've all been good races. The last one, when he first tried two turns in November at Aqueduct, he's, he, he pressed the pace, won the race uh, easily, and then they laid him off. There's a barn switch. What, it, what caught my eye is, I don't know when the barn switch happened, but two months after that maiden win, they take the horse down to Gulfstream, and for Shug McGahee, he blows out 45-4 and four at Gulfstream, four furlongs, and then there's a gap in the works. And I guess that's when the barn shift changed. That that forty-five and four work for a two-turn turf horse that Shug had is is weird to me. I'm I'm not really sure why that happened or what the deal the story is. I like to know the story is with the horse, but after that he laid off. Obviously in the Brad Cox barn now, uh, back in against state breads. I thought the horse might be live for the short lead stable, uh, but now I'm more perplexed about who your horse of the day is. Well, he's not my horse of the day. I, I wouldn't go that far, but I, I do like this horse a little bit. I do like your horse as well. Uh, I, I fell to number seven, Mo Reddy. Okay, I and definitely can see that. That's just, this is just purely from a class perspective. Uh, this horse broke his maiden on the grass at Saratoga last August, last summer. And, you know, he was he was part of an entry that day, went off even money. But, you know, the horse he beat was Maxwell Esquire, who won – on Wednesday at Saratoga sprinting for Christophe Clement. And, you know, that, that, that was a nice win. They come back, they get, the horse gets a little break. He comes back at Aqueduct on a yielding course and they go sprinting with him. And he's beaten by turned aside and Maxwell Esquire there turned aside. And I didn't make notes about this horse turned aside is a really nice horse. He came back, Back in June, he finished second to Jack and Noah in the Sir Cat Stakes at Belmont, you know, where they ran six furlongs on the turf in 107 flat. Uh, so, you know, Mo Reddy was third to these two. And then in December, they bring him back and they stretch him out in a 100,000 hour stakes race. And he finishes fifth of seven, but the winner that day was Pixelate. Well, Pixelate would be one to 20 in this, this spot. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, to me, you know, they've gelded the horse since then. I I think uh, you know Rapoli likes to win at Saratoga. Yeah, and I, I just think this horse is probably going to be ready. He's been working out at Saratoga <laughs> all summer, so I, I got a feeling he's going to be fit and ready. Uh, yeah, he was my uh, close second choice as well because those were, that was open races he'd been running against, both on yielding turf. They gelled him. It's Rapoli. Rapoli, like you said, Rapoli likes to win. Pletcher gets Ortiz. Yes, Mo Rady was my close, close second choice. So don't worry, I'll have him on the ticket, pal. Well, yeah. The good thing is, I, I, I'm probably gonna single in the next race. So you know, I can go too deep in here. 
and maybe go spread out in the other two legs. It still hit uh, it pretty hard, too. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and so that leads us to the 10th race, and that's the uh, Alfred G. Vanderbilt handicap. This is a grade one. This is the best uh, sprinters in the country. And the heavy favorite is going to be number four, Volatile, who absolutely blew the doors off his competition in his last start. He earned a 112 buyer, beating the tar out of Honest Mischief, who came back actually and disappointed today. Um, so, you know, that may, be, that may be cause for concern on the chances of Volatile. But this horse looks like he's early speed here. And that's going to be tough to overhaul for some of these. He will be challenged by the veteran Whitmore, who's earned over $3 million in his career. And other horses, you know, there's Frenzy Fires in here, Mind Control. It's a, it's a, it's a nice quintet of really fine stakes horses. Uh, are we going single volatile here? Yes. Uh, y- yes. But there's the one caveat that I, that I have that I concern myself with because Baldo might just be in another zip code. Uh, this is still just the horse's sixth career start, and there's been some layoff lines, but Asmus and his people love this horse. My, again, my one caveat is it looks like he's going to get to the lead. I think in here, I believe he will. So my question is, what happens? Can he spurt away when these these guys bid at him, when the Whitmores and the Friends Fires of the World bid at him? Will he kick away? Will he attempt will he be able to look them in the eye and then kick away or he just run well he just run off you see, you see my point if if they come to him does does he have the heart to go along with the natural talent or maybe they can't get to him is is the issue uh the horse went 107 and two last time that is insane and the horse could have went faster um yes he's a single for me I can't put him in in lock status, even though I think he's obviously uh, may win the Breeders' Cup sprint. <laughs> so I'll be interested to watch the race, and we'll see what happens. I think you could make the, the case that the course could bounce off the gigantic effort last time. But like you said, he, he looked like he had more in the tank. So I, I, I think me, he could have went faster. Personally. Yeah, I, I think uh, – I think he's a single for me. I mean, it looks like he's going to be lone speed here. I don't think anybody wants to go with him. Uh, Whitmore, I think Whitmore won this race two years ago. Is that right, maybe? Or was it the uh, the seven furlong, uh, the forego handicap? Maybe the, the he beat City of Light. That may have been in the forego handicap. Yeah, yeah. But Whitmore is, is uh, he, this surprised me. He's only had one start at Saratoga. I thought he'd, he'd raced up there more than that. But uh, – you know, I, I I think it's those two. Uh, Frenzy Fire doesn't scare me. Mind Control isn't of this caliber, even though he's two for two at Saratoga. He is, but I just don't think he's as good as he's. No, I, I, I'm not on him. But, uh, yeah, for me, it's, it, I'm single and volatile. That's not a very sexy pick, but, you know, I, I'll take what they give me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the last race, I have absolutely no opinion in this 11th race. I mean, I, I'll, I'll be honest, I haven't gone through the through the race like I should yet, but uh, I will be going deep in here because uh, as I'm narrow in the in the two races before this, so and I've learned, my lesson. Yeah. I've learned my lesson. If I'm alive to anything, I'm hedging for sure. Yeah, good, good for you. It's a maiden claiming state bred uh, forty thousand on the turf. I mean, take as many as you can get. <laughs> I will say this: Christoph Clement has been on fire, 
as of late, and he's got the five-horse timeless journey. That horse is four to one with Joel Rosario, and this horse is good. making a second start, and he's dropping out made in special weight. So looking at this, I might just single the five-horse in here after looking through this again, you know, uh, go with the hot hand. You might have to yeah, hammer this bro. pick four several times just to just to <laughs> just to make anything off of it. So, but that's it for Saratoga. Uh, we'll we'll wrap up here. I will say that the uh, last year's disqualified Kentucky Derby winner, Maximum Security, returns in the San Diego Handicap at Del Mar. And after a long day of handicapping and, and watching races at Saratoga and Ellis, I like to wind down by playing the late pick four at Del Mar as well. So. I'm, uh, there's a very good chance I'll be keeping an eye on maximum security. You got any opinions on on that horse coming back for uh, for Bob Baffert? Uh, no, I, I wouldn't bet against him to be honest with you. But I'll, I'll watch it as a fan and I'll be cheering for your pick four. But I'll keep an eye on it. Uh, I think the whole, obviously the horse has a world of talent, and I'm sure uh, going to put in a good effort. All right. Well, that that wraps up uh, episode ten of the Auxiliary Gate. Uh, we want to thank everybody for listening and. And we hope everybody has a good weekend, a good safe weekend. And we'll leave you by saying that it must be fate if you've got a date in the auxiliary gate. Goodbye.